You are listening to CBS Wire. Since the fall of feudal Europe's kings and queens, our society has been shaped by top performers. When we look around, we are surrounded by top-performing world leaders, straight-A students, growth-boosting business folks, and the next Lionel Messi on a soccer field. But what does it take to be a top performer? Psychology student at CBS, Nils Vium, have made the podcast Mindcast in search of an answer to that question. He has talked to almost a hundred top performers from all around the world, and we were so lucky to get a hold of him to talk about the keys to top performance, be it at the soccer field, at school, or at your job. The concept behind Mindcast is to gather as many different perspectives as possible on uh, mental performance, personal effectiveness, and uh, leadership. And this is both uh, leaders from the business world and top athletes, and w- what kind of people do you interview? Exactly, like you're saying, business people, profiles from the sports world, uh, politicians, uh, scientists, um, stand-up comedians, musicians, uh, all kinds of different areas, because I find it so intriguing that you can see similarities between these different areas, uh, professional areas. And um, every time I'm with a sports person, they say, well, this is how we can use these tactics in the business world. And uh, the other way around, vice versa, every time I talk to people from the business world, they also have all other areas that you might use their tips and tricks. So that's how and why I want to gather everything from all these different areas. Mm, Yeah. Uh, first of all, when we talk about leadership and uh, mental top performance, well, what is that? Is that just getting great results for your business and uh, a gold medal in uh, in the Olympics, or what is it to perform uh, to to deliver a mental top performance? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, of course, it depends where you are, uh, what area you are in. But but the point is still that um, a top performance is when you live up to your full potential. Mm. And so my uh, my experience with all the podcast guests is that there are just a lot of things you can do in order to fulfill your potential when it comes to your mental performance. So we all know different areas of our life uh, or different scenarios in our life where we are either super tired, not really ready for the day, not really feeling motivated and stuff like that. And other days we are in offensive mode. We are ready to challenge everything and have great conversations and yeah, just utilize the, the, the aspect that we now have a new day ahead of us. And so there are so many different levels. And when you are in a top performing mode, that is the offense mode that we're talking about. So, so what, what you are talking about is to maximize the number of offensive days or top performing days in a life, right? Yeah, you can say that. But it's also very important for me to say that it's not only about um getting as much done as possible in the least amount of time it's also about well if you are in a leadership role for example that's why i keep focusing on the world leadership um a top performance might be that you are having one very very important conversation with an employee for example a conversation where you manage to be very very present with the employee maybe the the person has something that they really 
want to discuss with you that they have kept for themselves for the last year. And now they're ready to tell you. And that's maybe the most important moment of the year where you have to be as a leader ready to take that conversation and uh, seriously and ready to be present in, the, in that moment so that you can be there for your employee because that's your role as a leader. So that's, that would be a totally different way of measuring when you are performing and when you're not. So just to make things clear, when we talk about top performance, it's not about performing like a business genius with 40 years of experience. It's about delivering 100% of what you and your individual capabilities allows you to perform. As you get better, the 100% will of course become closer to the business genius, but your top performance should be measured from your personal level of skill, not anybody else's. You met so many leaders, top performers, uh, stand-up comedians, all people who are extraordinary in their own field. What do these people have in common? The number one thing that I've learned over the years is that these successful people understand how hard work is important, but maybe the most important thing is to take care of their sleep, to value sleep as much as possible. Because without good sleep, you cannot top perform in all your uh, the rest of the hours that are uh, in a day. So that is definitely the most important thing. Can you elaborate on improving sleep quality? Is that getting more sleep or is it getting better sleep? Yeah, so that's a huge, uh, huge thing. People today, they know that they should get at least seven to nine hours of sleep because all these different sleep sciences uh, come out in the media all the time saying stuff like that. But what most people don't know is that uh, maybe it's more important actually to improve your sleep quality instead of quantity. And so, um, for instance, that uh, for instance, we know from the way that sleep scientists have have over a lot of years now trying to also see how we can measure sleep. They they can they can come up with some sort of a graph that shows the different sleep stages that we are in uh, over the, for example, seven to eight hours of sleep uh, on a, uh, an average. And what is very visible when you use all kinds of measurement uh, instruments to, to measure that, uh, you can see how we, uh, we go from phase one to two to three to four. And phase three and four are the most valuable uh, stages to be in. At least it's very important that we go all the way down to uh, the deepest sleep stage called deep, uh, sleep stage four and all the way back up to something called REM sleep, rapid eye movement that some people might have heard about. Uh, the, the, the sleep stage where we are dreaming. Um, and so, yeah, so, so the whole point is to get at least uh, a couple of quarters of deep sleep uh, every night uh, and as much as possible. That, uh, but it's also important to go up and down. Mm, but yeah, so get a lot of deep sleep is a, is a good way to see it. So let's just take a quick listen to an interview from Mindcast where Nils Vium asked Sean Stevenson, the author of the bestseller Sleep Smarter, what his number one advice is to get better sleep. Here's the thing. Cornell University, you know, very prestigious university, did a study and they found that test subjects who slept in an otherwise dark room and they simply put uh, a light the size of a quarter, uh, the size of a coin behind their knee. And that was enough to disrupt their sleep cycle. So even a small amount of light can suppress your melatonin. 
And melatonin is really a regulator of your entire circadian rhythm. It's a powerful anti-cancer hormone. It's actually uh, heavily involved in fat loss and fat burning because it influences something called brown adipose tissue, which is a type of fat that burns fat. The list goes on and on. You suppress melatonin if you're not getting a dark cycle. And so, especially in environments where, you know, you have a lot of sunlight at some parts of the year, creating a sleep cave, like a sleep environment where, you know, you have your blackout curtains, you get it nice and dark, so you produce the optimal amount of melatonin. So all these top performers, they sleep well, but what about, uh, are there other things in their lifestyle that makes them perform well, and what are their... If it, what what are their mental capabilities? I'm thinking that mm. they are mentally quite strong, or is yeah. that yeah? Yeah. So obviously, uh, most of my guests uh, are very. I think that is the thing that they also have in common is that they're very conscious. They're very conscious about the choices that they're making. They have now maybe reached also an age where they have some experience about both taking a, a longer maybe education, not necessarily a long education, but an education, and then um, being in the, in the, in, on the market uh, as an employee or a leader for enough years to make sure that they know, okay, what's important when I work? And the thing is, though, that a lot of people also have a lot of experience. They have many years that they've been employed somewhere, but they don't make conscious choices about how they want their life to be in that period of time. So first of all, that's not only about how you want to approach your work and how you want to maybe advance in your work, but it's also about uh, the, the, your consciousness uh, or yeah, like your conscious choices, not your consciousness, but your conscious choices about how you want to live your life personally. And that's also where the, the fundamental uh, stones uh, in your um, physical health comes into play. So that is something like sleep. Uh, getting enough exercise, getting the right nutrition and stuff like that. So that is definitely uh, the next thing I, I would say that they all have in common, make conscious choices about their physical well-being and also conscious choices about how they want to advance in their career and how they want to develop on their own abilities. So they also want to learn as much as possible from every experience they have. They all say stuff like, the way I'm improving is dung dung dung, And they also have... Um, they are also very humble, most of them. They're also mm. like, whoa, I can really learn something from that right now and go into every situation with a with a with what's called a beginner's mindset. So they are going in with this mindset about, whoa, even though I think I know something about this, let me scratch everything I know in the, in the moment right now and just take in what you have to tell me or take in uh, what, what, yeah, what people can teach me in this meeting or what, what I can learn from this task that I'm, that I'm sitting with right now. So uh, yeah, there was a lot of different things, but you know, yeah, 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 conscious but, uh, choices is the main key uh, key thing they do. Mm, perfect. And uh, these top performers that you have picked, many of them are leaders, of course. Do they have one thing in common as leaders? Are they the the people who takes the deep talk with the employee, or are some of them more focused on, should we say, financial results? Uh, or do they have one thing in common, leadership-wise? They all understand that they need to be present with their, with their employees. It is the number one thing. It is the, it's the leadership of the future, I would say. In the old school world, uh, the most important thing was caring about how we're going to uh, keep up with the budget. Uh, that's still very, very important, of course, if you want to do a business. But uh, for the leadership role, rather than the managerial role, I think there's a difference between those two things as well. Mm. When you are a leader, the most important trait 
or the most important action you can take, so to speak, is to be present with your employees. And most of my guests definitely understand that. Yeah. So uh, the old school uh, military leadership is <laughs> is dying out uh, during the next decade or so. I do have. I do have a hypothesis about, especially because we also know how more and more jobs can be automated now, which means that the the thing we have left as humans, let's say the robots are going to take over the world. I think they are more and more coming in with AI and everything like that being a huge thing right now and growing more and more. I think that, that that's also why I have this hypothesis that the more human being you can be to the people around you, the more unique you are and the more valuable, the more valuable you are to your firm. So that is uh, that is also why I, I really think that perfect that's yeah. the future. Yeah, and uh, these top performers uh, can they top perform all the time? <laughs> that's a great question as well because um, as you might understand, the more I talk, uh, my point of view is that uh, even though it's important to make conscious choices about how to do as much as possible in the fewest hours and how it's important to make conscious choices about every way you live and stuff like that. One of my main points is also that you don't have to do it all the time. And I recently made an episode where it's just me with the microphone talking about that maybe uh, maybe you shouldn't listen to my podcast right now because it's not important to always quantify everything about yourself, your life. It's not important to always assess yourself or measure how you sleep or measure how many calories you take in or all these kind of different things. And so all these leaders that I talk to are also very aware that it's okay to accept, sometimes to accept, that they're not going to be the best version of themselves that day. Being a top performer also requires you to accept not being a top performer exactly. sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, you had all these guests. Which one have made a special impression on you? Oh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of impressions, I have to say. Um, well, there is there is this guy who at least did a huge uh, impression on me. He's called Chris Dancy from the U.S. Um, and he is uh, he's an extraordinary person. He has this crazy story about how he he was depressed, had anxiety, was stressed, burned out. Um, He weighed uh, 200 pounds or 300 pounds. I don't remember the story exactly. It's a long time since I interviewed him, but I understand that he had a very, very, he had a very hard uh, youth um, and beginning of adolescence as well. And what he did, he he tried to go full extreme mode on actually measuring everything. So if you Google uh, most connected. He, he, he strived to get the, on Google to be the first on Google if you Googled most connected person in the world, I think it was. And and now he's number one, but he is also number one if you just write uh, most connected. Okay. So if you just write most connected, he still shows up as yeah. number one, Chris Dancy. Uh, so his goal, you would go right now is to just be there. Number first, the first one, if you just write most, <laughs> that yeah. would be a pretty pretty awesome for him. So, so, uh, so... What he did with all this measuring uh, about himself um, was to yeah measure his heart rate every time, measure everything he took in with food, um, temperature, body temperature, okay. all these kinds of things. He he connected to all these. That's why it's called the most connected guy. Yeah. It's all these devices that he can use for this. And the reason why it's a good story is of course that he used all this to to be much happier and live a meaningful life. That's a very very 
alternative way to do it and I won't recommend everybody trying this and that's also what I'm challenging him in the interview because I'm not gonna uh, measure everything about myself like I just said maybe it's not healthy to measure your sleep because what if you see that you slept horribly and you then you think you had to be tired that day or something so I don't necessarily recommend doing it but he he's very much a speaker for that so he travels the whole world talking about this one thing that he also said was that um, that really resonated with me was that he said Every time you make a habitual change, like every time you change a habit, um, it's going to influence your relationships. So this is not necessarily a um, this is not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just very important to be aware that if, let's say, you start to exercise a little bit, let's say you start to run once a week or something like that, it is inevitable to. Um, to, that it will influence your relationships. Let's say you have a girlfriend or a friend or family that you spend a lot of time with. Something will happen. Uh, something will happen uh, with that relationship, no matter what, because they will start at least to see you a little bit differently. Maybe the fact that you start exercising now um, will will make sure that you also see yourself a little bit differently. And if you see yourself differently people will also see you differently. That's like if a person with a lot of self-confidence goes into a room, everybody can see that he's confident. Uh, unless he's faking it, of course. But, um, but that, I, I really resonate with that because that's just really important to understand that, that it's not only for yourself necessarily. If you start to make changes about yourself, it can also really impact others. And he also, I'm, I think maybe we can cut that in and listen to him yeah, say, yeah, yeah. say stuff like that because he's very good at explaining uh, in the episode here. But let's say a negative example might be, I want to run uh, 10 kilometers per day, and the only uh, place, uh, or the only time I have uh, for that would be in the evening when I usually eat dinner with my girlfriend. Yeah. That would be a habit that will have a huge impact on our relationship. Yeah, So, but, but let's let's do this. Let's, let's pretend yeah. it's not a time thing. Let's just say you can run in the middle of the day, so it doesn't affect yeah. your time okay, with yeah, her. Yeah. One of the things that will happen next is as you start to have a regime that's more around fitness, your body might start to change. So that might be more attractive or less attractive to your girlfriend or your attitude toward things will start to change because exercise will make you more positive, et cetera. She might like you with a little darkness. I just think it's (laughs) it's fundamentally so important to remember that. You know, you can't get away from if you can get away from your mind, you can't get away from other people noticing you've changed. It's the first thing they say to you. Are you okay? Have you changed? What's going on? You know, it's like, oh, sorry. Uh, we talked a lot about leaders and top athletes and stuff like that, uh, the, the upper upper crust of uh, performance. Yeah. But these strategies for top performance, they can be utilized by anyone, right? Right. So if you are a student here at CBS, what would the best tools be to top form <laughs> well I think that's it's a great question um, and and it's funny because when I I also created a couple of episodes for for only uh, of course it's that's in Danish um, but for students uh, I've had part one and a part two um, and the first one that I made was actually not about these uh, concrete tools not specific tools to 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 maintain high performance because uh, everything that has been said in all the other episodes, it's about uh, the same things that you can use as a student as well. So it's not, I'm, I'm, 
I've been teaching. I work as a as a as a self-employed consultant today, and I I'm both in companies and at universities and even in high schools talking about many of the uh, the same things, and and they all understand that whoa okay I can really use some of these things because it's not about what profession uh, you're doing. It's not about if you're in school or at work. Sometimes with leadership uh, communication and stuff like that, it is uh, that kind of niche, but it's with all these other things, it's very universal. So you can just listen to that and use it. So stuff like being conscious about your well-being physically and make conscious choices about your approach, your, how you approach your work. So if it's okay that I come with two concrete, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, one yeah. concrete and one uh, very non-concrete thing, uh, the, the, the non-concrete thing first, or the non-specific thing, uh, but still a very specific question that you can ask yourself, is to ask yourself, why am I studying at the university right now? Why am I studying at the university right now? Why am I studying this program right now? What is the, what is the reason for me being here, spending so much time doing the homework, going to all these exams, going to all the, the, the lectures? Um, and, and the reason why people should ask themselves that question is that, first of all, if they feel demotivated, maybe there is a reason for that. Maybe they don't, right now at this moment, belong or feel that they should be here. Uh, because there's no reason why they should. Maybe the reason that they they started uh, applying for the university was because all their friends did, or because their f- uh, their parents did. I really hope it's not the parents, <laughs> but it could be. For many people, I think it is because they know what's right for you. No, they don't. They don't know anything about what's right for you. In the end, it's all up to you. Mm. And so, ask yourself that question: Why do I study at this university right now? The the good thing about it is that if you come up with the reasons why you do belong and why you should keep studying. Now you know the purpose of why you're studying, which can definitely create uh, motivation. There's just this one thing. I've been wondering, do we really need top performers in our society? We are in a society where increasing numbers, both students and adults, get hit by depression and stress. And we have this society that is really, really focused on performing. Um, do we really need to perform? Great question. So actually, my bachelor thesis uh, from 2018 um, was exactly about this, uh, specified to uh, Copenhagen Business School, where I study. Um, we tried to, uh, my partner and I, we did interviews and a quantitative uh, um, survey where we, we asked uh, students from CBS, how do you define career is career important for you? Is uh, what is most valuable for you when you want to create a good career for yourself? Is it uh, how much do you value good grades? How much do you value a student job that's related to to your studies? Uh, a good network, studying abroad, and and these kinds of categories. And the reason why I wanted to uh, understand the nuances of what people are telling each other about this is that I have experienced on my own body that when I go to a lecture inside the walls of Copenhagen Business School, what I'm met with is always, at least if it's someone who is not my closest friend, what you can talk about as a small talk thing is always, oh, I saw that you you uh, you got a nice job or I saw that you created a podcast or um, how did it go with the exams or did you hear that there's now this new job or graduate program? And all these kinds of things. And while it's very intriguing and creates a, a 
a healthy also sometimes uh, performance milieu where 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 people really wants to to yeah, to give a shit about the value that they create for themselves and and how they will approach and put an effort into their studies it can also have a very dark side um, so that is why what we wanted to understand what is it exactly that people talk, tell each other how does uh, those t- uh, narratives uh, affect their uh, uh, identity and and what can you do as a student when you if you are influenced by this so much that maybe it's not healthy for you anymore so um, so even though I know that I also encourage performance very much with this podcast, even though I know that uh, that I I am an ambitious an ambitious person, and people who see me thinks, whoa, he's very ambitious. Maybe I need to be too. But my main point when people are thinking like that, and what I'm also communicating a lot, is that just because other people are talking about career, just because other people are doing stuff that they think is important for them doesn't mean that it's the same thing for you. That's also what we found in our... Uh, we used actually science from mindfulness. Mm. Um, I took a class about mindfulness. We used that in our bachelor thesis as well in order to, to create a theory here about how can students approach this. And the number one thing that I always return to is look inwards, look at yourself, create your own truth about what you think is important. And that is my number one tip because no, we don't need to perform. We don't need to perform we need to to do what we think is nice and cool and what we think uh, not cool actually that's a bad word we need to do what we value what is aligned with our values and what we feel is the right thing to do for us not what everybody else thinks so that is also why i'm very humble about interviewing all these top performers the reason why i choose a lot of different performers is of course that so that people can choose what they like from these things they, they should maybe uh, demolish 99% of what we are talking about. But if they use one of the uh, 100%, uh, just 1% of those, then maybe they can, they can improve in some area or maybe they got some, something to think about. Uh, I even also interview a person like uh, Anne Skar Nielsen, a Danish person who, who also really made an impact because she was talking about what, when, what happens when everything goes wrong, what when I don't know, what I want, what do I do then? What if I feel like I'm in the deepest hole of darkness and I don't know where to go, what do I do then? So it's also about stuff like that. And being more human about performance, I think is the way we need to do it in the future. So that's a very important question to ask. We don't need to perform. We need to do what we think is aligned with our own values. You hear that? That's the sound of my Pomodoro watch ringing. And that means it's time for my five-minute break. Before I started editing this podcast, I asked Nils Wium to give me his best pieces of advice in order to top perform making this podcast. Little did I know that the best one involved a tomato watch. The, the number one um, tool for, for studying and also for doing all kinds of work very universal tool as well, but it's my favorite one, so I have to say it, is to use a different, a, a, a specific technique for when you work with everything. So when you do uh, exam work, um, even if it's a sit-in exam or a group project as well, or uh, these 24-hour or 48-hour or 72-hour exams that might be in the university, uh, use a technique called the Pomodoro technique. The Pomodoro technique. Pomodoro means uh, tomato in Italian. Uh, which relates to the fact that it's a, a, a time 
it's a it's a it's a technique where you work with time in intervals of t- uh, time periods of 25 minutes and a tomato you used to have a tomato watch back in the days mm. uh, when you uh, when you cooked and so that's the reason for the name but anyway so you so you work what you do is you work for 25 minutes and then you take a five minute break and then you work for 25 minutes again five minute break and so on four times total and then you take a longer break of 20 to 30 minutes. The reason why you get effective, of course, is you, you focus on one task at a time, which means you uh, make sure that you, that you don't multitask, so that makes you more efficient. Number two, you, you can't get disturbed from anything in this period. That's rule number two. Um, don't get disturbed from any cell phones or email or anything like that. Shut it all down, put them in a corner. If you're in a group, just put your phone in a corner or in your bag if you're alone. Um, number three, a rule when you do this that many people don't understand truly is that you need to stop when the timer goes off. The thing is you, you get into this flow state uh, very easily when you use this technique which means you will get much more done in uh, less time uh, you, because you just forget time and space. If you don't get disturbed only uh, focus on one task and you set a timer for, 10, for 25 minutes then it's very easy to go into the flow state. Um, so the thing is that when the timer uh, rings, people are like, no, I don't want to stop because I'm in the flow state right now. But the problem with that is that, well, then you, then you uh, work yourself all the way to the ground where you don't want to work anymore. So if you stop when the, when the game is still fun, so to speak, uh, and then just take the five minutes break and then go straight back to what you were doing, then it's much more motivating to go back because you know exactly what you're doing, you know you were in the flow state, even if it's in the middle of an email, a sentence, a comma, uh, or a, a conversation with your group, uh, then stop when the time goes off. So now the question is, was it effective then? And the answer is, hell yes. The Pomodoro technique boosted my effectivity more than I had ever imagined. For a notorious procrastinator like me, the technique gave me the perfect tools for staying focused, cutting 30-40% to of my editing time. Let's check the other advice he gave me. Make conscious choices and care about your physical well-being. Let's say that you decide that it's not important for me to get the best sleep, best nutrition and exercise every day then at least make a choice about what are you uh, what are you not going to do then what are you going to do what are you not going to do this one is actually also one i would strongly recommend with my alarm going off at 5 a.m. every morning it is very tempting to sneak in a nap after work of course that ruins my sleep the following night This was my conscious choice. No naps, only sleep in the evening. And man, did it boost my performance from 6am to 9pm the following day. Understand that you don't need to measure everything. And that it's okay to make irrational choices. I mean, I still eat candy. And I still do all kinds of irrational stuff because... I feel that's just what needs, uh, what is also very important in my life. That's aligned with my values, and I think the good life is not about living perfectly rational. It's about living a life where you can also just enjoy, even though it's bad for you, quote unquote. And oh boy, did I enjoy season eight of Game of Thrones the other night. Safe to say, no top performance for me the day after, and it were quite all right. <laughs> 
yeah, this is one of the most uh, more hardcore to to uh, to get a lot of done in shorter time, and that is to understand Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law um, states that uh, the amount of time you set for a task is the amount of time that the task will take. So no matter what, if you know that you have an hour for something, it's gonna take an hour. The practical examples is meetings, both group meetings for students or meetings in every company. We set one and a half hour or three hours even. Some meetings are very long. It will take three hours because we know that, oh, we have time to discuss this a little bit further. Or, oh, we can also do some extra small talk or uh, we can go out of all different kind of lines. And so that's, that's great as, as long as you make a conscious choice about this. But the thing is that I know for a fact that a lot of people are also hating these long meetings because they know that it's uh, what is also known as soda work. Where, where they just spend time on stupid, stupid things that don't, doesn't matter at all. So, so the concrete tip to, to make sure that you understand this and, and, and build upon this is to give yourself shorter deadlines. So does working after Parkinson's law work? Yes. My deadline for this podcast were set at 5 p.m. And if I check my watch right now, the clock is 10 minutes to that deadline. I'm done, and you have been listening to CBS Wire. <laughs>